this year, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. I'm Brian Hyatt. This is Rolling Stone Music Now. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with Tizo Touchdown, a really interesting rapper and singer who's been everywhere recently. A few days after we talked, he popped up on the new Drake album, For All the Dogs, on the track Amen. Pray until you find Amen. That's gonna feed you. That's, gonna That's only a couple weeks after the release of Tizo's own debut, How Do You Sleep at Night, an unabashed rap rock album. That, by the way, Drake called the best music ever. Tisa was also featured on Travis Scott's Utopia. We recently did an episode on that album and on Lil Yachty's own rock album, Let's Start Here, which we also talked about at the time. Tizo grew up in Beaumont, Texas. He played trombone and marching band, and his dad was a DJ, so music was always around him. He's had what sounds like a long, rocky path to the music business, including his own time as a DJ and a period when he found himself sleeping in his car as he commuted to Houston from Beaumont for a restaurant job to fund his music career. As we discussed, something about Tizo's persona and music tends to spark polarized reactions. And his new album, which again fits into the long and sometimes checkered history of rap rock more than any other category, has gotten both raves and some intense pans, including one from Rolling Stone itself. But I'm a fan, and I think you'll find this is a really interesting conversation. I was going to say, I'm a big fan of the album. It's full of musicality and musical surprises from start to finish, and it never stops being interesting. And that's a thing that's missing from so much music in 2023. Yeah, thank you. That's one of my favorite compliments I like to hear about the album is the musicianship. And you're the second time I've heard something, someone say, like, when you listen to a song, like, something something changes, nothing happens, like, twice, and there's so many surprises. So they zoom out and hear things like that. I'm just really proud of myself and all of the other collaborators we had on it. Since you were part of the Yachty album from earlier this year, and, it, and there's at least one collaborator who's also on that album, how much commonality was there between those two album processes from what you know about it and how much was totally different? We got the Raisin Brothers, Sad Pony, Justin Raisin. Then we also have Fouché, who's been, you know, turning everything to gold that she's been touching. So it was cool to have her a part of it as well. I think I learned from everyone who I'm honored to be like in the studio with and just seeing like how do they conduct themselves in studios or like their creative process. But for the for the Yachty session, it was just musicianship through, through and through just a studio full of just talented musicians. So I think that's probably the, the common denominator, just the musicianship that was in, inside of the rooms. For I'm, I'm sure through, I was only there for that one session, but I'm sure Yachty's ear and his, in his production as well, I'm sure it was the same musicianship in those studios as well. 
Now, did was there ever anyone coming in with, here's a finished beat, do you want to write something, or was it always almost like jamming in the studio? Yeah, I prefer jamming. I have this term that I say, I don't want to get beat to death, which is a producer just playing, playing, playing their work. And it's really, everyone's talented at this level, but I feel like I, most of the time when people play me production, I, they probably didn't have me in mind for the most part. Sometimes they'll tell me they do have me in mind. And sometimes looking at a full production can be intimidating just as much as looking at a blank Pro Tools session. Sometimes I'm intimidated when someone gives me a, a complete thing because I feel like a lot of that, a big chunk of that is already songwriting. They usually already have the verse picked out. What would be the hook? What goes first and second? So I think I like creating from scratch one because it's more personal and it's I'm able to tackle this huge production. If you look at the daddy mama drama. I'm about to never curse in front of my parents. What about like those all starting from like a guitar riff and then building up into this music the musical piece we have now i think it's better for me to work at it like that i've also but i also do look at that as exercise to to hop on an already produced beat since i know that is a weak point of mine i like to work that out as well when you talk about don't beat me to death, it's you, you don't want to do that thing. I mean, I've been in this studio with rappers where it's like, and it's amazing to see it happen, but you'll hear a beat a hundred times. It'll be playing and playing and they'll be sitting there trying to come up with something and then they'll go to the booth. If you talk about straight hip hop, that's the way a lot of hip hop records are made, right? But that's what you don't like, essentially, right? No, absolutely. I always say I'm an MC at heart through and through. I think even me... I used to not be a big fan of demos. Me being like an MC at heart, I would be like, all right, that's the song, and that's it. Like, we get on with the song, that's it, we're on to the next one. What else sticks from that? Yeah, I feel like getting played beats over and over, I still sometimes, what, I don't like to get beat to death, but I do like going through the depths of YouTube and finding just producers on there. Then I'll go through their beats all day, but mm. something about someone presenting me beats sometimes a little intimidating and a little, you know, I am probably just won't have what I'm looking for. But on the other end of that, I am very easy. I know exactly what I'm looking for. So I always tell tell the producers, like, if I'm going through beats, 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 don't feel any type of way about it. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And it's a high possibility that you may have it. When I heard that what Drake said about your album, it's brought up constantly, some of the best music ever. My first thought was, oh man, that is a blessing and a curse. And I've seen you talk about it the same way, because it, it sets up expectations and it sets up a frame and it's just in some ways it's begging for a backlash too right it's a tricky thing yeah it's a tricky thing but I feel, I feel like the backlash was only attacked at my feelings or like me as just being a human but I always knew that the musicianship the songwriting and everything was strong that's why I was once we had the body where it is I was excited and eager to initiate conversation like that I would love to play the album because I knew what I was sitting on and I know what I put out, what I put out in the world. The attacks were only attacked to me, the human, to the artist. It, it rolls right off. You said for a minute you were like hearing it with the haters' ears somehow. What was that? Tell me how that worked. That's interesting. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I've never felt that before. It was really weird. It was scary that I heard it like, wait, I... It was weird. It never happens to me before. I've seen negative comments before. I've had it before. It's nothing new. But for that day, for some reason, I can literally hear it. And I never want to experience that again, whatever that was. Yeah. And then the other funny thing you said was someone said the album was polarizing and you said you had to look up polarizing. Now that you looked it up, I feel like if it is quote unquote polarizing, you made it that way on purpose. Wait, I'm looking it up again. <laughs> it's funny. I'm doing rehearsals right now and I can remember all of these songs, but 
let's see, polarize, restrict the vibrations of cause something. Oh, let's see. Divide or cause divide into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions or beliefs. No, I didn't go in in mind when making, knowing that it would be a divide. I just wanted to reach, reach whoever it was connected to. I think as you live life, you will start to see a lot of things aren't so just off to you. I feel like we all have these similar experiences. So I always think that I'm trying to reach the people who just have, we all have some things in common. I'm just trying to reach those people. So I wasn't really worried about making a divide. I just wanted to make sure as a fan, I made the best effort possible from start from the metronome all the way out to the end of the song. I kind of just combed through it like that. It was just very, not hard on myself, but just combing through, make sure there's no filler lines, making sure that it's this bridge going for too long. What's the point of this right here? I think I just wanted to make a great body of work just for a fan to experience. Would it be fair to say that maybe you weren't concerned with making an album for everyone, though. You wanted to make an album for the people who got it. If Some people are like, I'm going to make this broad, mass appeal. It's for everyone. But it feels like you were a little more specific, maybe. I don't know. I don't know either, but I think Bun B has a quote. He was like, your first album is for, like, your city. I want to say. He, he broke mm. it up, but I'm going to just paraphrase. I think the first album is, like, for your city. The second album is for, like, the world. And then the third album is for you. I think mine is a, ever since I've been writing, I think it's been a combination of all three. I think when I first started doing like song, like making songs and stuff, it was really just for my friend group, my cities. I would drop like landmarks that only people from my city would understand. And then I understood that, all right, I have to make something in Beaumont, Texas that someone in Minnesota, someone in New York, someone in LA, someone in Japan or whatever can also relate to. So I think I, I did it for all three. I did it for myself, my city and for the world. I think the first time you really fuck with rock, got guitars into your music, was with 100 Drums. So that ends up being a key song for you, I think. Very. It's funny. I was just thinking about that. Because I was, I scrolled through my, through my photos sometimes and just looking at right before I filmed 100 Drums. And I filmed the video right before that. And I was... Cause I already had made the change aesthetically of going to the rock before I even did it like sonically. And this is what I looked like. So this, it was, it, it had to be very like rock type. It was very much so hip hop trap, but my top lines were definitely rock. And I don't know where it seeped from. I want to say it come from the outside and then the seeped in cause I was already painting my nails, had the hair. And I think it just seeped in. I mean, I went to the studio. I, this is what I looked like. So this is when I make something sonically. <laughs> But yeah, just thank you to Panic at the Disco for even making that song. Because I feel like, what would, I, I, when I looked at that video, I thought, man, if I didn't do that, I'm pretty sure it would have been something. But right now, in this storyline, it was Panic at the Disco. Great song. I think that's a, a testament to their songwriting and their production. That's something can transpose over to this artist. And every time you hear that, every time you hear an artist do a cover to that, it makes you stop for just a two seconds. Because when you hear that, that Picado strings, all right, since not tragedies, you're going to stop. Yeah. So I, I credit all of that to them. And once you made that song, did it start to become clear, like, oh, this is a direction I can pursue for some time. This could be my thing? Absolutely. because. I was, I always knew I wanted to cut through, one, we'll start, before we went into the world, I just want to cut through what my, me and my friends are making, like, how can I stand out here? Which I always did, but like, I feel like with the rock element, that was my first time like moving like another genre in it, other than like R&B, which I feel like aren't, all of the genres to me are pretty mixed and married now, especially now in, in like mainstream music. 
But we weren't really adding rock into it other than just the punk aesthetic of what punk being so minimalistic. But sonically, I hadn't done that or anyone around me hadn't done that yet. Your dad's a DJ that played into you hearing more kinds of music than most people. But how much rock guitars were a part of your listening growing up? Other than hearing Prince and maybe like some Michael Jackson guitar riffs here and there on albums, other than that, very light. We heard a lot, of course, we heard a lot of music, Earth, Wind, and Fire, but as far as rock, it was very few and far. I think what started introducing me to that is getting ready for school in the morning and, and watching the music videos on MTV and hearing and discovering I Write Sense, Not Tragedies, and Green Day and all of this stuff. Like, so it was really that. So even now, like MTV to, I want to say the BMA is about to go on their 40th anniversary or something like that. Like for them to, to still be like introducing people to new music is, I'm a testament to the powers of music television. The chorus of OK, the opening track on your album could be like a, a Weezer song. I go by your life that's standing in your way. Uh-huh. OK. I'm going to do it. I think that's just a, a mesh of music and like sonics. It's the one thing you can like you can close your eyes and not see, you can close your mouth and not talk, but you can't do this and not hear anything. So I mean, going to retails, going to the mall, shopping at Hot Topic, you're hearing these songs subliminally, you're watching MTV VH1 all day. So I'm sure and those Weezer is a is a smashing group that's crossed over to like everyone knows a Weezer song. So I, I think it's impossible for a band like that and their influence to not seep into what I have. There is a history, obviously, of rap rock crossover. It goes back quite a long time. You have things like Run DMC, obviously, did going way back, did rock songs. But a lot of it went from the other side for everything from Limp Bizkit to Rage Against the Machine. Have you gone and listened to that stuff at all? No, I haven't. I haven't listened to the Jay-Z album that he did. with. I'm not sure Lincoln, the band. Lincoln but I Park. Listened. Yeah, Lincoln Park. Yeah. No, I, I haven't heard that. No, I haven't went over into the into the crossover. One crossover I did find is a Craig David crossover on you. Oh, wow. Which, when I was doing my research for Rock and Boom, it's, it definitely inspired me. It's, it's a Fill Me In cover, but they matched it with this death metal song. And uh, I guess if you typed it in YouTube, you can find it. I hope you nice. find it, because it's really a gem. So, yeah, I, I didn't really dive into that, to that mashup happening as much as, as, as it would seem. I hope someone, when they hear me, that they dive in and not be like me, but you know. Tell me about you thought with Janelle Monet. How did that one come together? I believe that came together right as I was wrapping up my song Five O'Clock with Oogie Main and, and Kimchi. And Tyler Cole was coming to the studio. I had a double that day. I say double because that's why I used to say I used to be a bartender. But I had a double that day and Tyler Cole comes in and it's like, I've been doing like three or four days with Humane and Kimchi just doing these hard, just bodacious songs. And then Tyler Cole comes in and it's, all right, I don't want to have him just come into this world that I already have. I do want to hit a switch. I want to see what talent that he brings. And so we started with, it's funny, we ha I still have, the, dem I still have this, the demo now of You Thought. It had more of a reggae bounce at first. And when we added the syncopated drums, that gave me the influence for the rhythm. I love finding a flow sometimes that kind of does like that. And those are intimidating too, because once I have this flow that's so intricate like that, I have to fill in the words with the syllables and stuff like that. But for you thought, I think a little bit of my wit just shined on that. And, and that's how we get a, a Nicolas Cage bar in there. And, <laughs> and then again, with that flow being so imitating, 
I hit a wall on it and I was like, all right, let's go to something else. And that next thing happened to be the second half of You Thought. And I was working out, working that out. And then I was like, let's smash these two together. I do that. I tend to take my weaknesses and put them on the forefront and use them to my advantage. So I use that writer's block or like, all right, this is the end of this idea. Let me match it with something else to give you this complete idea. So that's how you have You Thought. And I think you just shot a video for Impossible. Maybe they wanted to go to art school, but their parents said, sorry, we can't. Maybe it was a mix of all three of those. And I love the sincerity of that song. Very sincere, inspirational message, which people get afraid to be sincere. They want to hide behind layers of what they're saying. They don't want to go out and just say what you're saying. And that's something that makes that song really likable. Tell me about writing that and getting that out there. Impossible was the last thing that we did for the record. That was the very last day of recording. My engineer, Andrew Keller, is probably one of the best. He's fast, he's creative. And a lot of the vocal production and stuff that you hear, that's me and Andrew going back and forth with that. But towards the end of the of the session, I mean, of the recording process, I just wanted to go very stripped down and minimal. And so that's what you hear on the tone. It's not really melodic, it's just that. And then also going to the Raisin Brothers, yes, their musicianship, but also their knowledge. Before we would go in, I w- we would just talk music. And I was like, hey, show me some artists that are not known as great singers, but they have these songs that, t- that like touch the world. So we played, they, they played me a few of those. I won't say who those artists are. Played me a few of those. <laughs> and yeah, I just went in. I, I really want to hear who these artists are, though. <laughs> no, it's not even. And I'll say one that I gave the reference yeah. for. And it's not. I'll say the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Because I was on a Bruce Springsteen kick for a little minute. Just had discovered like his first project, seeing how DIY and how bedroom pop he was going into that. So I pulled up, I pulled up Bruce Springsteen and they showed me a, a few more examples. So yeah, with Impossible, it was that, the minimalism of, all right, this I want to strip it down just to me. As far as my vocal production, I don't want to overly sing. I just want to just have this flow of consciousness and... The song we bled in and just came out of me. I didn't say like, all right, this is my we. I'm gonna overcome this kind of song. It was just a it just bled out of me. And I've been doing rehearsals and it's really fun to to perform. This whole album has been fun fun to rehearse and well not perform yet to rehearse. And that's a big sign to me because when I was doing like my older records, Sucker, Careful, all of that, it would be not awkward on stage, but it's just I didn't. One before I did any really shows and going on tours and stuff. So going on tours really showed me subliminally and intentionally how to write songs for that call and response, kind of writing those breaks in. And Impossible is definitely one of those I'm super excited to perform. And also, that me- like you said, the message to really spread that personally to everyone. The harmonies on the song uh, are amazing. I know that you're nervous. I'm kind of nervous too. How'd those get in there? So I give a lot of credit to my vocal production, to me being in marching band, playing a trombone, which the trombone and marching band usually takes over like the chorus, and basically the chorus. So like I've always grew up with harmonies, but also Dante Davis, who is a, who is a artist from the home, my hometown, who the voice you also hear on uh, in the backgrounds, he would, he used to, he was the singer first and he would be in the studio and just finding these harmonies. And I would ask him like, yo, how do you do that? And he was like, yo, I just hear it. And so I use a combination of that little information of he just hears it. All right. And then also in marching band, we usually play three part 
three-part, four-part harmony. So let me just mash those together. And then also discovering like a queen and then hearing like an all dead. And so just basically the queen vocal production, hearing stuff like that, R&B backgrounds and just mashing those. So what you're hearing is a mash of all of those things. And we're spending about sometimes three to four hours just on harmonies alone. Wow. You play bass, right? Do you actually play bass on the album? No, but I had the bass. I wrote the, I didn't even write the, I wrote the bass of, what is it called? Mood Swings. And I just gave it to Brennan to always say, I can bear, I producer play piano, I producer play bass. (laughs) I give it to the musicians to always say, all right, take this and graduate it. No actual bass on this album, unfortunately. Do you, on familiarity, you sing you believe in aliens. Do you actually believe in aliens? I think that's just an extreme of how much I don't believe in luck. But I'm sure there's something out there. Absolutely. I don't I always look at how beautiful the plants are, the mountains are, the stars are. There has to be. I'm not that self-centered to believe that this is all here. It's definitely something out there. I think it's that song you have that like sort of yo yo vocal thing that's really fun. I like that because it shows you're not afraid to be playful on this album. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not afraid to be playful at all. I think that's always been like in my DNA. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I always just like to laugh. I always just like to be in, in a good laugh. And also when, when people express their feelings about the album, that's one thing that, I, that I'm constantly seeing how fun this album is. And we had a blast making it. I'm glad that it translates. We're laughing in the studio. We're making insiders. We're watching funny movies. We're just having a ball. I'm glad that translates. I don't know anyone who isn't constantly running low on time. You've got to juggle work and the rest of life. Sometimes you just need groceries or drinks or whatever else, and there's zero time to head out and go shopping. There's one way around that, and that's DashPass from DoorDash. I'm definitely a DoorDash customer, and there's always something a little magical about your groceries popping up at your door. And when you want more from delivery, you can get it with DashPass by DoorDash. With DashPass, You get $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, which makes it incredibly easy to save on restaurants, groceries, retail items, and all your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And get this, DashPass pays for itself in only two orders on average, so it's worth it right away. And when you sign up, you get special access to exclusive promotions and member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash. Use code MUSICNOW24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and more. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash. That's 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass with code MUSICNOW24. Again, MUSICNOW24. Subject to change, terms apply. Today, hip-hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. Fire, yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. 
And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade. Life-size cardboard cutout. <laughs> this is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Follow Class of 88 on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. I know that you scrapped, there was like different versions. Was that, a, was that different versions of the same songs or an entire different track listing? Or how did that work as far as what you got rid of from the first tries at this album? It was just a few songs that we just swapped out. Some really well, good written, produced songs. But it was, I feel like the first project that I had was more of a, look, I can do this, I can do that, I can also do this. I think when I did that one, but then immediately when I quote unquote said that the album was done, I started working on like the next project. I just kept recording and I knew I had this rock and boom thing on my mind. And that's what I started working on for the next project to give this concentrated rock and boom sound. When And then I also thought while I'm working on this other project and we're planning on maybe dropping another project, I was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to have that. I have this another chance to give this first impression of this is great music. So I wanted to make sure that I put my first impression as being this complete body of work. So we, one, we seen the response of the content that we were putting out. And then also, I just wasn't listening to my album. Like, I just wasn't listening to it. Like, I knew the songs were good, but I wasn't in a rush to go listen to it. And then it got to a point when we got the sequence together for the new project, and that's all I can listen to. When people would ask me, what are you listening to right now? And like, surprisingly, my album. And that's a lot coming from me. I'm usually the last person to listen to my music, but this album, I'm so excited to, as soon as I press start on it, I have to finish the whole thing. The, so do you have stuff that you're holding on for the next project, basically? But you have stuff ready? I don't think... I think, like I said, the MC and me, I think I just made those songs and I just have them now. I like going in fresh with these new experiences, this new anything. It's really rare that I'll pull up something that we've already worked on. Got it. You had such a specific concept for this album 
and I know you think a lot about your work. Have you already started thinking about a concept for the next thing? No, I've just been really <laughs> present and enjoying just having my first album out, having it been out for three Fridays. I'm looking forward to the eighth of this month to say, all right, it's been out a month. I've just been really just taking this whole process in. So I'm not in a, I've still been creating, but it's not like in like for an album or anything. It's really just been more of the side projects, which are even more exciting and fun because it's the less pressure of, oh, this is the next body of work or whatever. It's just me making music and having fun, which I'll probably continue once I start on the next project. I think the thing in the industry, everyone's about the first day, the first week, and, you know, I think it is still early for you in every way. I think that we're, we've only seen the beginning of the reaction to this album and certainly you're at the very beginning of your career. I, one, I know that the body of work is there. I know that that's, that's really my, my concern. And of course, I look at me from being downloading the Billboard 100 every weekend to elementary school or looking at that every weekend. Like, of course, we know, you know, the stats of what we do. But to be 100% transparent, my team like told me like, yo, expect like a long, expect like a long game here because that's what we're expecting. So I'm just working project person by person, literally at a time, responding to one person like every day. Like I'm building it from like the ground up, really touching the people. So like the stats, I'm not really as a fan. I still look at them, but I'm not applying them to me yet. I'm looking at the people who are how many people do I get to talk to a day because I can control that. The goal of the album wasn't to show that how you can hang as an MC. It might have confused people who were expecting you to come more as an MC. I don't know. Yeah, I've been thinking and playing with the idea. I think to most people, it doesn't look like they're supposed to like me. It doesn't mm. look like you're supposed to like like you listen to Tito Touchdown and you show show him a picture of me. You would expect you would. I don't. I'm not sure what you expect, but a lot of people, I think, they're the the gripe is I just don't look like I'm supposed to be you know what you hear or whatever some people it looks like it does fit but as far as the me showcasing the mc i think that's on every song that there's words because i feel like that's what really leaves my pen that's what really leaves mm. my pen uh, the wit and stuff is all me coming from like a rapper standpoint yeah you said hip-hop is rock and roll which is a, a great quote yeah i was talking to someone who went to the who went to the yachty show yesterday in boston and she was like it was her first it was her first she called it her first rap show and she was like it was crazy i was like yeah she said she wasn't expecting that but i was like yeah rap shows and like hardcore shows are pretty much a marriage of what's going on what was going on in the floor so i feel like genres are already kind of they're already kind of married. Like, same reason that an R&B artist take off the shirt. Same reason that a rapper take off his shirt. Like, it's all... It's the same reason a rock star takes off his shirt. We're all just married, you know? I would imagine that the success of the Yachty album was inspirational, or at least encouraging, given what you wanted to do, that the, that the world maybe was ready for this kind of thing. I think that everything before me is necessary. Everything before me is necessary for me to get here. I had a, a friend of mine ask me, yo, why do you think it took so long for it to happen for you? And one, that's just that's just my story. And number two, I think artists, certain artists had to happen for me to be here. Bun B even said that itself. Certain things had to happen for a Tito touchdown to exist. We had to have a Trinidad James. We had to have a little Yachty. We had to have we have to have a chance to rap it. We have to have all of these artists, these polarizing artists. We have to have a Drake. You have to have a future. I can go on the on and on to what makes the landscape for the next artist and the next wave to benefit from their hard work that they put in. So absolutely, if you want to, I give, I give Yadi the credit one for being one of the first people to pour into me and tell me how big I'm going to be and how mm. big I'm going to be. He was one of the first to tell me that. 
and looking in my eyes and tell me that. So absolutely, keep your eyes on keep your eyes on Little Yachty. He's burning it up. He's ripping it up right now. Absolutely. Janelle Monae was the first person you played this album for. What does she have to say about it? It's so obvious to me that it's down the lane of shit she would like, but I'm curious. Yeah, a lot of great things. Everyone in Wonderland would just point it to me, tell me how much they loved it. But the one thing that really stuck to me, she was like, I love, she, it's not perfect, but I love that it's not perfect. And I feel like for a debut album, that's, I think that's what you want to hear. Like, I feel like a lot of people want to put like all their marbles on this whole Tito Touchdown thing from album number one to decide whether I'll be here or not, or rather it's the last. I think this is just my album number one. This is just me shaking, I mean, you know, extending my hand saying, hello, my name is Tito Touchdown. How do you sleep at night? I know some people heard you for the first time on Travis's album. That album, Utopia, is full of features against some of the biggest names out there. I think you have one of the most memorable features on that album. Tell me about being drawn into his process and what what that whole thing was like, because it seems like it was a whole machine behind that album. Thank you for listening to the album and supporting it. I'm just thankful to be a part of it. And I think that's, what was that like? Just seeing how excited he is to work, how excited he gets about art. I think that's the most inspirational thing that I've that I've ever seen. Just how, you see it when you see videos of him, I'm like, he's jumping off the walls when, <laughs> when he hears his music. He really loves this art thing. I think that's so inspirational when I run into people who are doing it at this high level and they love what they do. They have this childlike love for what they do. But to be on a Travis Scott album, I don't, I can't even, it's one of the moments I have to pitch myself because I remember when my friend first showed me Travis Scott and he was like, yo, there's this dude named Travis Scott, man. He from right up the street from Houston. He showed me him on 106th and Park when, when Kanye was up there and he just looked like off to the left, like super quiet, super quiet. But then he also showed me the Quintana music video and just seeing his imagery and just how he came out of the gate. And to see where he is now to be this blockbuster artist, this blockbuster force, same thing with Tyler the Creator. Like when you see these, when I first, I remember first seeing these artists when they're just starting out and to see where they're at now and where they are, where they're placed as far as the highest level that we're doing is, it's really amazing to see it, to even be a part of both of those projects. I'm truly thankful because I remember where I was when I first heard the name Tyler the Creator, Travis Scott. So for so many people to say, hey, I discovered you from the Tyler album, from the, the Travis album, it just keeps on paying forward to how I discovered him. What shape was that song, Modern Jam, in when you got there? Rocking. Rocking from the, what you hear now, as soon as you hear it, how it jerks you. That's exactly how it was in that studio. It was zooming. It was already zooming. And that particular vocal style you use on that song, where did that come from, the way you were singing on that? What is that? What is that? I think if you want to pinpoint her research processes, just look at all great front men's in rock and roll. Look at a Phil Lennon, look at a Freddie Mercury, look at a David Bowie, look at a Prince. You just go down the list of, of just top front men. I'm sure Rolling Stone probably has a list of top front men. I'm pretty sure I've read that before, like top. But I'm sure I read that in my, I think I vividly remember reading that from my research when it was like top men's of all time or whatever. So go read down that list. I think that's how you get to a song like Modern Jam. Yeah, to be real, when I first heard that, I said, is Tiza like doing a David Bowie type thing? Because that's what that was the first thing that, that came to mind. Yeah, that was just me being my best front man that I could. That's my front man voice right there. Like some kind of British front man, it felt like. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta give I gotta give I gotta give Travis some more some more love for that. Cause when I first discovered him, I noticed he would talk like in like this huh. this 
kind of tone or, or whatever, but yo, he's from Houston, most city. But but during that time, he was traveling in Paris and to everywhere producing. So maybe that's what we were hearing. So yeah, I think something of, about us Americans and just hearing an accent just drives us wild. So when you first busted out with that in the studio, what was his reaction? I couldn't see. I couldn't see into the, into the control room. It was just a rectangle of light. I had the lights off in the studio, though. Just, yeah, just in my in my suit, chain. That, matter of fact, I wore the exact same thing that I wore when I recorded Run It Up, funny enough. Same outfit, both songs, same suit. I was going to ask about Run It Up. Tyler and working with him, touring with him. Obviously, such an interesting artist. What are some of the things you learn from him that people might not expect? How to change up your set list. That's mm. one, as far as the tour aspect of it. Number two, how to take critique, what to, what to read, what to keep, what to discard of. What else? His professionalism, his repetition every night, his love for what he does. I think that, and also seeing... To initially see them at the Woody Awards in Austin, to now see him on this arena tour, I think seeing that, even without him saying that, just seeing that growth, I think just told me everything that I need to know and what to, the standard to how to reach that, even if it was just a glimpse of a tour or a studio session. And so now, yeah, you're going out with Travis. Can you tell me a little bit, give him more of a sense of what those performances are going to be like as opening for him? Yeah, I think if you see me on the, the Call Me If You Get Lost tour, I think expect to see a jump, a growth. What else can I tell you? Expect to hear the album in a great fashion. I had Tyler Cole and Y2K work on it. I watched the Doja Cat VMA performance, mm. which was a five-minute medley, but she put three songs in. And I, I reached out to find out who did that, and we got connected with them. And yeah, so I'm excited for you to hear this theatric showbiz medley of this album how do you sleep at night i'm so excited i'm i can't wait to go to rehearsals right now like i've, I've been there like all day like this performing is really fun i can't wait for you to hear it i did want to ask about the song too easy there's an old song called schools out by alice cooper that i don't know if it was drawing from deliberately or just a coincidence i think that's just going down the rock and roll just you know the school book to have a song like that to have a too easy to have yeah to have a too easy to have a we will rock you to have a schools out i think that's you know you want something i think and also that comes from seeing a tyler the creator seeing turnstile perform seeing a trippy red perform seeing everyone perform and just seeing how their songwriting is influenced to the live show you want something that the crowd can sing along to you want something you can sing along to in your car so i think that's all come from the school book of rock and roll and then also going to shows at your kind of earliest musical memories like what were kind of the things that, that kicked off I, I know you talked about drumline but what was the music you heard around the house that kind of first sparked your interest everything that you would hear in the south earth wind and fire marvin Gaye, prince michael jackson the, the who's who but one of my first musical memories was getting in trouble for rapping notorious thug so I went to a Baptist, a Baptist preschool or whatever, and I just remember getting in trouble for rapping, for, for trying to rap that song. It's like moments like that. It's that moment. It's when I was DJing, seeing 
kids running terror from me playing Three Six Mafia to seeing fights break out to Little John. I think those are like the memories that really like when I was seeing it felt like the music was like fueling something. So I think those are like the memories that like stick in my head the most about about music. Have we mostly heard your early attempts at recording, or is there stuff super early stuff that we that the world's never heard? Pretty, you can pretty much find it. I think 2018, I have two projects from there you can probably still find. And if you find anything earlier than that, please send it to me because I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. I'm looking through my email every day just to see little remnants or stuff like that. Like when I talk to people and they're like, oh, my friend makes music, but like he just started making music, but it sucks. I'm like, yo, I can play you something right now for Cheeto <laughs> Touchdown that is atrocious so keep going trust me I, I think that's what i'm looking for i like to do these exciting things to go on these tours and put out a debut album and i like to go down to my gmail and find the most horrible thing i did just to look at that kid and be like yo keep going because thank you for making that because you making that got me right here who do you look at now and say this is the kind of career i want to have i think you can look at them it's so many it's so many i think Everyone who I, who I pretty much named, like I was there when when the when girls are putting you on to Drake for the first time, and like you can hear the discourse on the blog, just saying, "Yo, is yo is this corny? Will this last?" And even him saying, "We'll see who's around a decade from now." And him being the artist of the decade, seeing like a, the Tyler the Creator thing, seeing them from that all the way to him going on an arena tour, seeing Travis Scott be the quiet producer on the far left in the 106 and Park video, to seeing him going this arena slash stadium tour. I think those are like. The, the history goes on, but I think those are the ones that stick to my mind of just be, remember, really seeing them as small, quote unquote, small artists and go on to, to really be like running and leading this. It's really insane. So I think those are who I'm looking at because I was, as a fan, I was able to see them grow and accomplish whatever they, who knows what goals they have, but they sure did scratch off a few of mine for sure. You've had all these high profile features. Now that your album is out, are you still going to be having features on people's albums or you want to pull back from that a little bit? I'm always there to help and create. I don't look at it like, all right, this is like the next feature. I'm always down to get in the studio with, with people and just, just practice. This is something I love to do and I love to get better at it. Collaborations, I feel like, is a huge part of why my sound like, what my sound is what it is to be able to talk to people ask for advice so i don't think i'm gonna ever cut that waterfall off of getting in the studio there's so much that i told in this album but there's so many more stories that i can't wait to jump into but like i said how do you sleep at night is just me extending my hand it's a nice icebreaker to a long relationship and that's our show we'll be back next week in the meantime subscribe to rolling stone music now wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because that's always appreciated. But as always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. 
That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.